Today, we're going to continue our series on leadership. And when we reflect back, we started talking about Isaiah and how his key to successful leadership was based on his undying obedience to God and his commitment to the mission. Then we talked about King Hezekiah and how his leadership reign caused him to break the pattern that had been set and to walk in his own shoes. Today, we're going to talk about a leader who is literally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually cut from a different cloth than Isaiah or King Hezekiah. She, yes, I said she, wore many hats mother, judge, worship leader, prophetess, military leader, visionary, and preserver. I don't believe God put it on my heart for me to minister to you about Deborah because she was so rare or a rare commodity as she did not stand alone as female leaders in biblical times. There were many. Miriam, Huldah, Esther, Mary of Bethany, as well as Mary Magdalene, Lydia, Phoebe, Priscilla, and Rahab, just to name a few. You should all take the time to know and read about these phenomenal women, and women especially should read the stories of the biblical women. Romans 15 and 4 tells us, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. So I say, especially to the women under the sound of my voice, take the time to study biblical women. You will be surprised to discover how much you have in common with them and how their lives can be so influential to your lives even today. Now, Deborah was a phenomenal woman. And I may be a little partial because I bear her name. And let me tell you, studying the depths and the strengths of this woman made me so proud to bear such a name. My cousin Richie actually named me. And I think he was around seven or nine years old when he named me. But because he was, quote unquote, the prince of the family and spoiled rotten and he always got his way. So when they said, name the baby, Deborah, what he said, they did. I actually began to read a book called The Deborah Anointing about a few months ago. And as I delve into the book and the character of Deborah and how and why God kept elevating and using her. And I could never cover it all in, in one sermon. But I had to call my cousin Richie and I said to him, do you know the name, the label that you put on me? This is a heck of a name to live up to. And, and he just laughed and, and he said, get busy, girl. That's all I can tell you is get busy. Today's sermon topic is She by God. In the world in which we live, I see women trying to define their value by the labels that they can buy. Uh, by the celebrities they can imitate and the styles of their weaves and wigs. But when it's all said and done, God's name is whose name you should want to bear. And it's only by God's design that we can please him and find fulfillment. 
I'm going to begin with Deborah's title of mother. Notice I didn't say her role as mother. I said her title. What I learned by studying Deborah that is that it's not always about the physical things that people understand about you, but it's about the heart and the spirit that's within you. See, scriptures never confirm or deny whether Deborah was biologically a mother. However, in Judges 5 and 7, it tells us that she was proclaimed as the mother of Israel. Now, I want you to be a little bit patient with me this afternoon because I want to spend just a little more time on her leadership role from a mothering standpoint this afternoon. Because we live in a time when the role of the mother is no longer taken seriously by women, by children, by the government, by men, even by our churches. But how and if a person is mothered can make or break the structure of leadership for generations to come. And I can't stress this enough during this series. Everything, everything hinges on leadership. The love, nurturing, and words from a mother has the ability to set the tone for mindsets, habits, and prejudices. Deborah had the heart of a mother. See, when a natural mother falls short, God can step in and provide a motherly surrogate if someone is willing to accept it. I thank God every day that I was blessed. I never knew what it was to live without a mother's love. The question of my mother's love for me has never entered my mind. But I worked in a group home setting and I have seen firsthand mothers who have walked away from their children, mothers whose priority is no longer their children, mothers who use their children as pawns, mothers who knowingly allow their daughters to be molested, mothers choosing men over their children, mothers who physically and mentally abuse their own children, mothers in the world in which we live are killing their own flesh and blood. But the hardening fact is mothers don't teach their children how to pray or anything about God. Now on the other hand, I've also seen people step in and try to provide a motherly love who tried to be that nurturing counterpart for those whose mothers either weren't able or who just chose not to be available. And time and time again, I've seen people pull away from that motherly love and that nurturing being offered by someone else. In some cases, even their natural grandmothers, all because their longing for their natural mother was so great that the wound from the pain of their mother's actions or reactions and rejections never truly healed. Our society has become so distraught, so confused, so heartless, so uncaring because far too many mothers are opting out of mothering their children. Deborah did not see greatness in emulating the qualities of manhood in her leadership roles. 
but executing femininity, softness, gentleness, kindness, and faith. She was proclaimed the mother of Israel because she inspired life and was a nurturer of the people. See, real mothers, real leaders understand that in order to produce good fruit, the vine must be carefully nurtured, not roughly handled or pruned before its time. In Genesis 3, 14 to 15, notice what God says to the serpent. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now the seed that was to come from the woman was placed in the womb of the woman by God. God could have simply said to the servant, or to the serpent rather, that I will send a seed that will crush your head. But God himself acknowledged that what is required of him will need to be nurtured by the mothering feminine spirit that he put in women to be able to fulfill what he already ordained to be. Motherhood is serious. And the art of mothering is one of the most transforming humanistic responses God ever created. In Judges chapter 4, it describes how Deborah was consistent as she fulfilled her role as a judge, speaking with motherly wisdom and prophetic influence, meaning she used her mothering spirits and she sought the will in the mind of God with every ruling. And believe it or not, Deborah was Israel's only female judge. When God elevated Deborah as judge, it was evident he was introducing to us another expression of leadership while also expressing a unique dimension of himself. Keep in mind, God created men and women in the image and likeness of himself. And there are times when to accomplish the will of God, it will require a more motherly, feminine influence, not to be deemed as weaker or less authoritative by no means. Simply just leadership upheld and delivered in a different manner. Now, there are those who think a woman in leadership roles because of the softer, gentler nature that she possesses will prove ineffective. But we must always be mindful that every victory is not won on a battlefield, meaning we don't need to always approach leadership as if we're going to war with guns blazing and a kill or be killed attitude. The very fact that God created us in his image, but still so very different, is a testament that all of who we are made to be, be it male or female, brazen or sensitive, a fighter or a communicator, every character we possess comes from God and should be used for his glory. And when we discount even one characteristic, of either a man or a woman, 
it is challenging the very character of God. The gentleness of a woman is exalted in God's patience with us on a daily basis, just as the warrior in men is exalted in God's fight against Satan's agenda on a daily basis. God will never allow a fight to come upon you that requires you to act outside of the character he designed for you. And please be sure to note that there isn't a single reference in the Bible where any man, regardless of their position or status, ever challenged Deborah's authority, nor refused to take her counsel, or rejected any of the verdicts she handed down. One of the lessons we can learn from Deborah is similar to the lesson that we learned from King Hezekiah. Walk in your own shoes. Women, women don't have to take on the demeanor, character, or mindset of a man to be effective, influential, or essential. Feminine integrity is equal to masculine integrity. And rest assured, God honors and exalts them both. Now, the entire chapter of Judges chapter 5 is Deborah's worship song to the Almighty, showing us the depth of her commitment to worship. We can never become so consumed with our positions, our titles, or our appointments that we go one day without giving God some praise. Deborah was a guideline leader and she understood the power associated with worship. She knew it was not candles or incense or sage, but her worship that shifted the atmosphere and ushered in the spirit of God. The closing lyrics to her song of worship says, so may all your enemies perish, Lord, but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. It was Deborah's sincere heart for people and commitment to the will of God that kept God elevating and using her in various capacities. The Israelites had been under the control of the Canaanite king, Jabin, and the commander of his army, Sesera. The Canaanites had 900 chariots of iron and ruled over Israel for 20 years until one of Deborah's judgments was to instruct Barak to summon 10,000 men and attack Jabin's army. Likely fearful to comply with such a command, Barak told Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go, I won't go. And she replied, certainly I will go with you. But because of the course that you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Pay close attention. Notice that Deborah was not operating in a capacity of being controlling. She was operating in the capacity of being a preserver. She wasn't looking for glory. She was willing to protect the integrity, the pride, and the ego of Barak as a man 
by warning him of the implications that would come. In other words, what she was saying to him was, I am willing to help you get what needs to get done, done. I just need you to understand that the whisperers will be saying that a woman won the war. Barack, who obviously was a man of God, demonstrated honor for women in authoritative positions, and he was not afraid to share his success with a woman. He was also a very strategic man and displayed the wisdom of God by asking her, as an anointed woman of God, to be on his team. Deborah and Barak gathered 10,000 troops and attacked Sisera and his army. And scriptures tell us, and they won the war. All of Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not one single man was left. See, real leaders understand that it's not about our differences that matter, but about our submission to unity that is the conquering source of energy and victory. It was Deborah and Barack's willingness to operate as a team, setting aside prejudices and the chauvinistic undertones of the times that won them the war. We are living in a time right now where God is requiring men and women to put their baggage aside, to bring their best self to the table and focus on the ultimate goal, which is fulfilling the will of God. We talked about it on Wednesday night. The will of God is walking in absolute dominion as heirs to the kingdom of God. There are four leadership lessons I want you to embrace and take away today. The first one is God often calls people to step outside of their faith and into faith in Him and do the unexpected. The second lesson is God often uses the most unlikely people and sources to accomplish His plans. And thirdly, God sometimes requires a great risk and effort on our behalf as part of his divine plan. And number four brings me to this, and I must reiterate today's sermon topic, She by God, and let you know that it's not about men or women, he or she, his or hers, but truth is no man is manly enough and no woman is feminine enough to accomplish anything on their own. All that matters in the eyes of God is that we walk and submit to his will and his way. In closing, I want to read to you Colossians 3.23, which says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we give you thanks and we give you honor and we give you praise for your word today. Lord, and we ask for your strength, oh God, 
for us to shut aside, set aside all prejudices, all issues, and let us walk according to your will. Let our heart be consumed with the spirit of unity, for we know that is the only way to ultimately please you. Lord, we ask that everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone, household be represented tonight. Everyone, we ask for you to cover the house, O oh God. Provide peace in their home, O oh God. Let families come together in a spirit of unity like never before. Let them talk about your word, discuss your word, get on one accord with your word, starting today, oh God. And again, we give you honor and we give you praise as we say amen, amen, and amen.